Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game changing technologies and business strategies to help you shake up the status quo in your company's business capabilities and move your organization in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you're in the right place. I always say it. I always mean it. By now, our global audience knows it's true. Let's see what the buzz is on the street today. Okay, I found a quote from Alex Moazed. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right, M-O-A-Z-E-D. He's the founder of Applico Inc. It's A-P-P-L-I-C-O. And just in case you're wondering, this is business model disruption. He started a business from his dorm room in college, racked up $9,000 in credit card debt to start a website and a business, and now he's worth $10 million. What can I say? Here's the quote. A platform is a business model that creates value by facilitating exchanges between two or more interdependent groups, usually consumers and producers. Platforms don't own the means of production. Instead, they create the means of connection. Let's just let that sink in for a second. So what are we talking about today? Well, here we are in the digital age. Come on, you know, you're probably there. We hope your business is there. And platform businesses are pervasive. They're starting to take off. You've heard us talk about that concept many times on this series. And they are fundamentally changing the world. How do they do it? Well, we'll talk about it during the show, but successful platform businesses follow a pattern of behaviors, of systems, and these translate into things every business, and those of you who are not platform yet, you'll know what you want. You want market dominance, yes. You want exploding margins, well, why not? And you want to generate volumes of hmm, sensitive data that you can mine to get insights and become competitive and get that world dominance. It sounds wonderful, but if you're company isn't on board yet, it's time to take a look at your assets, time to innovate, that wonderful magical I word innovate. We have another I word incubate. So you too can join the world of platform businesses. I have a panel of three experts. They all happen to be from SAP. They know what they're talking about. We're going to explore this topic and help you and our global audience figure out what in the world you need to do to get there too. Let me tell you who they are before I hear their voices, and then we'll start with the first one with his quote. So in a moment, I'll be introducing you to Dr. Bernd Uwe. Pagel, I hope I'm pronouncing it the right German way. Joining him is Klaus von Regen and Nils Hersberg. Let me tell you who they are. Bernd is SVP, Senior VP of Cloud Platform Ecosystem at SAP SE. Klaus is the VP and Head of Business Model Innovation at SAP SE. And Nils is the Global Go-To-Market Lead for Internet of Things and Strategic Partnerships at SAP SE. Those are all very long titles for very small business cards. I don't think we use business cards anymore. Barrett has sent me a quote from Winston Churchill. I don't think I have to tell you too much about Winston Churchill. Sir, Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, so many letters after his last name, it's like the alphabet. He was a British politician, army officer, writer, and the prime minister of the UK from 1940 to 45, 51 to 55, and he led Britain to victory in World War II. Enough said. Here's the quote. The prize of greatness is responsibility. Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel, welcome to Game Changers. How are you? I'm perfect. I'm fine. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. 
Well, I'm delighted. Talk to me about this quote, because in my opening, Baron, I talked about businesses that are platform businesses that are following a pattern of behaviors, a pattern of systems, and they're winning in their marketplaces, in their industry, their sectors. So how does Winston Churchill's quote relate to that? Yeah, when I prepared for this, uh, for this panel, um, I really thought about uh, what, what makes a platform really successful. And is success, is commercial success sufficient? And if we, uh, we follow the, the press uh, and, and what happened uh, in, the, in the last couple of months, I would say uh, if you would ask Mark Zuckerberg if he feels great, I'm not so sure. And uh, I think we all agree that uh, Facebook is, is one of the most successful platform companies uh, in the world. So uh, where's the difference, right? Um, and I think if, uh, if, if you run a platform and you have all these, these uh, constituents um, dealing with the platform, be it buy it, be it sellers, be it developers, um, as a platform provider, you you have a big responsibility for what's happening on the platform. Yeah, if you look at an Uber, you have to be responsible for the safety of the passengers. You have to pick mm -hmm. the right drivers. Um, as, a, as a social platform, um, to pick that example, I mean, you have to be responsible for what happens to the data. Yeah? You, you, you're responsible for what's happening on the platform in terms of are the people mobbing each other. Yeah? You, you are responsible for what happens to the data in terms of can it influence elections. Yeah, what we saw mm -hmm. recently. So the responsibility goes far beyond uh, commercial success. And that's why I think this is a great, uh, great quote, because it, it should remind everybody running a platform that the responsibility might go well beyond the, the commercial side of it. Thank you, Bernd. That's very thoughtful. And, and my question to you is, did you agree with the definition of platform business model that I quoted in my opening, my opening buzz from Alex Moazed? What did you think of that? They create the means of connection. Is that the definition you would use? I think this is, this is pretty, pretty good, actually. Um, I mean, it has another flavor. And I think what you have to do as a, or if you want a successful platform, um, you have to be able to really deal with um, with uh, hyperscale technologies, um, and you have to be at the forefront of technology as such. Yeah, be it a development platform, but also be it using latest technologies, and that makes it basically uh, giving you the chance to disrupt uh, traditional businesses and processes because you, you really adopt new technologies uh, and you're at the forefront of it. I think this is maybe another, another flavor to it. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Welcome to the show again. Now let me turn my attention to Klaus von Regen at SAPSE, and he has selected a quote from Aldous Leonard Huxley. Most people just call him Al Al Aldous Huxley, A-L-D-O-U-S, 1894 to 1963, an English writer, novelist, philosopher, and prominent member of the prominent Huxley family. He has written nearly 50 books, best known for his novels, including Brave New World, set in a dystopian future. We'll just stop there. Look him up. Uh, by the way, he was widely acknowledged by the end of his life as one of the preeminent intellectuals of his time. He was nominated seven times for the Nobel Prize in Literature, and he was elected Companion of Literature by the Royal Society of Literature in 1962, the year before he passed away. Here's the quote. That men do not learn very much from the lessons of history is the most important of all the lessons that history has to teach. Oh, my, that's quite a quote. Klaus, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thank you, Bonnie, for having me. 
Delighted. Talk to me. I love the quote. Tell me how it re- how it relates to our topic of business model disruption, platform business. Well, I think there are two sides of the coin. Well, I mean, first of all, you have a panel of, of men only for a reason. I don't know why. Uh, and it's particularly men who sometimes don't want to learn from history, right, from from mistakes from the past, uh, right? But but uh, more, more seriously, I think this this um, aspect is particularly true for for platform businesses because um, when when you talk to um, uh, companies in any given industry, uh, they all uh, want to become a digital company and they all all want to become the the Amazon or the Facebook in their given industry. Uh, that that's a that's a bright goal and and um it's 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 a it's a nice vision to have but if you only look at the successful digital platform companies you you are you are actually missing the point because you only pick the ones who may by chance have been successful and and history is telling us that you more learn from mistakes from failures so while there are a few larger companies who are successful in their uh, industry with with a with a given platform there have been many, many more companies who actually failed, right? They, they may have been successful mm-hmm. to some extent and then their business declined, or maybe they have just been acquired by the larger ones. Um, and, and there is a reason for that. And, and, and this, to understand, can teach us much more than just looking at the icons in, 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 in this digital domain. And that's why I thought the quote is quite relevant for our discussion here. It's very relevant. And, and you know, Klaus and Bert, and I'm going to speak with Nils in a moment, it's interesting to me that when we ask our panelists to bring a quote to the table for the opening and then relate it and interpret it to the topic, we come up with such interesting ways of looking at the topic. And we've already brought up from the Winston Churchill quote from Baird, the idea of responsibility. And now you're saying, uh, well, does history need to repeat itself? But frankly, let's look at the failures. I'll, I'll call it feet of clay, those who did not make it to the successful model. Very interesting. Thank you, Klaus. Very, very appropriate. And now let's turn to Nils Herzberg. Uh, he has a quote from Nelson Mandela. Nelson Rohilala was his full name, Mandela, 1918 to 2013, South African anti-apartheid revolutionary, political leader and philanthropist. He was the president of South Africa from 1994 to 1999, the country's first black head of state and the first elected in a fully representative demographic democratic election. He received more than 250 honors, including the Nobel Prize. Very interesting. And he was called the father of the nation and affectionately known by his clan name Madiba. Here's the quote. Three little words, Nils. They pack a punch. Forget the past. Nils Herzberg, welcome. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you, Bonnie, and thanks for having me. Delighted. Talk to me. I love this quote. It's three tiny little words. How does this relate to our topic? And let's fit it in with all the other quotes. Go ahead, Nils. Well, Bonnie, what you don't know about me is actually I grew up uh, in South Africa and I actually witnessed him um, uh, when he said this quote about forget the past. And he was talking to those people who were trying to uh, protect old um, you know, ways of doing things. And um, I think this is also as it relates to the platforms, um, you, you cannot um, imagine and be great at platforms if you are trying to protect um, you know, an old way of doing things, maybe even the wrong way of doing things that has been there for 50 years. And um, that's why I chose this quote, because I, I think um, that you have to be open to new, different other ways of doing business, um, of working if you are imagining yourself in a platform business, because I can tell you, and I'm sitting here at a customer site at this very, very moment, 
you know, we are discussing on you know how to do things differently because we are in a platform economy, and uh, hence um, you uh, you have to remind yourself everybody that is having this discussion is um, you know, forget the past, uh, forget the way we worked in the past because the way we're going to be in the future is going to be different. Very, very interesting. And, and I'm just going to put your quote from Nelson Mandela on the side next to the Aldous Huxley quote from Klaus von Regen and thinking one is saying the most important lessons that has to teach are we didn't learn much and Mandela is saying forget the past. So any thoughts on, on what part we should forget versus the lessons of those who didn't make it? Any reflection on that, Nils? And then I'll ask Klaus for his comment on that as well. Nils? <laughs> Well, I, I was actually thinking about the same thing when Klaus uh, heard Klaus' quote, and um, you know, it's actually very related. Um, you know, I, I think that um, you. Know, I, I think what you have to be, yes, you have to learn to some degree, um, but um, you know, don't be a hostage of of all of that. I think that is the core of um, when you go into the platform economy. Don't be a, um, a hostage of tradition. Um, uh-huh. That is, I think, the core. Yes. Um, um, you know, you can learn um, from. Uh, you know, I'm a very um, lateral thinker. I always look for patterns, and um, you can learn that way from the past um, because um, you know things happen in patterns. But I think you have to um, uh, disconnect yourself from tradition. Thank you very much. Let me ask you a question. Well, Klaus, I want you to chime in on this, but I'm going to ask around the table. How long have we had what we're calling platform business as a model? Is this new? Is it 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Uh, Klaus, why don't you start that one? I just want to ask around the table. Is this a brand new business model disruption or has it been creeping in for a long time? What, what's your observation? Well, I mean, I don't I don't think that it's, that it's a new phenomenon. I, I think it's it's particularly new as, as far as we talk about uh, the internet, right? Because the digital types mm-hmm. of platform models, those obviously are, are uh, uh, businesses that emerge much faster uh, and, and, and can have a much deeper reach into any given industry or into, into, the, into the consumer space. In, in the past, obviously, you had a lot of analog types of platform models, like, I mean, even a traditional type of marketplace where just people meet and, and pay a fee to, to be able to uh, put their stand in front of all the consumers. Uh, that has been a type of business that has been there for hundreds of years. So mm-hmm. it's, it's not, not really new, but uh, again, it, doing this in a digital way is, is, is something that can be rather disruptive and, and can be much faster in terms of establishing it. Thank you. Let's go back around the table to Bernd. Bernd, any thoughts on when did we start Defining this as a platform business model, is that something new, the terminology? What do you think? Um, from a definition perspective, um, I think, I mean, there were always platforms called platforms in the past, yeah, in particular on, on the technology side. But was it really, I mean, according to the definition you gave, um, with this hyper-connectivity, with the speed, with the agility, I think this was formed uh, rather as we interpreted today in the last, whatever, 10 years, 15 years. Um, before, I mean, I have one, one famous example. I mean, this was already in the digital era mm-hmm. or pre-digital era, which was called electronic marketplaces. Uh, this was also, you could call it a platform today. It was a trading platform. Uh, it was not super successful because technology was not there at that time. Yeah, we, we didn't have that uh, scalability, the connectivity and so on. So everything was a bit slower and the business model as such was also maybe not sophisticated enough. 
uh, because uh, the operators of these platforms at that time, uh, they were not neutral operators. Uh, they mm-hmm. had their own self-interest um, and, and just wanted to get better, better purchasing conditions from their suppliers, which they connected. So that failed. Um, but I would say, as we, as we call it today, maybe 10, 15 years. But there was a lot, as, as Klaus said, a lot of platforms uh, where, where buyers and, and sellers came together in the past, yeah, but not in a, in a digitalized way. Thank you. Anybody else want to chime in on that one before I go back to Berend and ask him where he's calling from and what's in his cup today? Niels, anything you want to add? Yeah. Yeah, maybe just two thoughts. I, um, the one mm-hmm. thought is um, I joined SAP 21 years ago, and one of the first acquisitions I did at the time together with Hasso was a an EDI component so that our customers could participate in a selling and buying platform for airlines. It was a spec 2000 standard. Um, and um, you know, it, what the, the key there was, it was a selected few and they had agreed on standards and rules and everything. Um, but in some industries, it's been there for quite a long time. The other interesting element, um, you know, I'm sitting here, as I said, at a customer site, and um, mm-hmm. you know, we actually spoke about platforms of, you know, be it a, an Uber, be it an under, or be it a mm. middle. You know, I mean, mm. I think the, the old platforms were um, you know, between buyers and sellers. I think what we are mm-hmm. seeing is you know, some um, folks attempting to be the Ubers of this world, um, overarching platforms, and there are other folks who are trying to be the, the, the foundation of platforms. So I think we have evolved uh, in terms of our thinking, and um, both, I know, uh, Bernd, you were involved. I was there as well in all these commerce platforms at the time. I, I still remember our days in Palo Alto. <laughs> Bernd, do you want to add something? Go ahead. Yes, I, I remember these days as well. It was <laughs> the good old times. And, of course, uh, uh, Niels is right. I mean, we had there was uh, EDI networks and so on in the past industry-specific networks, purchasing networks, well, it was more networks. Yeah? What, what is new now is, is the shared, shared economies uh, and, and these kind of business models, which are pretty new, yeah? in particular on the consumer side. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Good. I tell you what, now it's time for us to do our little What's in Your Cup Today segment, and I'm going to start with Baird. I just had you in the hot seat there for a second. I told you we didn't have any hot seats on the show, but I love it when we go around the table and have everybody talking. That's, that's always a good conversation. So, Baird, two questions. There, I call them two personal questions, but not too personal. Number one, I know we called you, where are you today? And number two, if there's something interesting in your cup while you're on the air with me, I'd love to know. But if not, tell me what is the drink that's your favorite in the whole world that really gets you going to think about platform businesses and other wonderful topics. Baird? Yeah, I'm looking outside uh, into uh, into the campus of uh, SAP in Waldorf in Germany, and it's a beautiful spring day. So uh, that's where, where I am right now. And um, Actually, uh, I, I have a I have a rule. I'm not uh, drink. I'm trying to avoid drinking alcohol before it's getting dark, which in summer is a problem. Um, mm-hmm. But in winter, it's okay. Um, so my favorite drink uh, is a uh, is a red wine. Actually, it's a Chateau La Rosée, which is a Bordeaux, and um, I like this wine because it's. It's a terroir wine, so it's really a wine which gets the flavor from, from the soil, from where it's, uh, where it's grown. And um, I like this wine because it, it has a character, but every year it's different. And uh, it's, it's different because, and 
that of course holds true for a lot of lot of uh, red wines, but uh, this is my favorite one. Um, the winemaker needs to needs to be very conscious about the weather, right? Needs to sense what happens, needs to react, needs to learn, needs to also apply new technologies to make the wine better every year. Still preserving the character, but the wine is evolving. And I think this is what you have to, if you run a platform and you want to evolve that, you have to be as cognizant about what's happening with your participants on the platform. Uh, you have to sense and you have to react and you have to constantly improve also the technology to make your platform mm-hmm. better. Uh, unfortunately, my, my, my favorite chateau was, was bought a couple of years ago and it's now uh, a new, was, was basically renamed and now it's sold for, for three times the price. Um, oh. is, uh, even consolidation is happening in, uh, in the wine business. Um, but that's, that's how life goes. That's the way it goes. A question for you. What label of the, the, your favorite one? Because I Googled it and I'm seeing Chateau La Rose de Vitrac, one Dupin. Um, I have your Chateau, Chateau. Uh, looks like all, there are many different labels. What's your favorite one? It's La Rose. It's L, then, uh, a, a quote, then, uh, A double R O S W E. A double R O S. Okay, I will look it up while we're. T- Thank you very much, L A R O S E. I will take it offline. Absolutely. Thank you very much. We love to be introduced to interesting drinks. Thank you, Baron. And let's turn to our second panelist, Klaus von Regan. Where are you today, Klaus? And what powers you? What do you love to drink? Tell me a story. Here we go. I mean, the place where I'm sitting is, is uh, somewhat boring. I'm. I'm I'm in the office in Waldorf, as, as Bernd Uwe is, uh, sitting here in a, in a, in a room, uh, taking the call. Uh, the, the, the drink story is a little bit more exciting because um, the one drink I, I always like, particularly in summer, is, is rock shandy. Ever heard about rock shandy? No. Um, that's, uh, Nils should know it. I mean, it's, it's one that comes from, uh, from southern Africa. I, I, I was introduced to it actually in Namibia. And it's pretty simple. It's made out of lemonade, sparkling water, ice cubes, uh, maybe um, a, a little um, lemons. Um, and then you put on top a few dashes of Angostura bitter. Mm. Uh, so it's almost non-alcoholic because you only f- put a few dashes in it. But it makes a really nice, fresh and spicy um, aroma, which is, which is pretty exciting in, in, in summer. Uh, and I thought, okay, I want to, as you always do as a tourist, I want to take this atmosphere back to me, uh, uh, back to me, um, to home. So I was trying to find this Angostura bitter in a in a shop somewhere in Wittok, mm-hmm. and it took me a while to find it, uh, and eventually I I, I found the bottle, uh, and 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 bought it, and then I realized that this bitter is actually produced in in Erding in close to Munich, back in Germany. Huh. So, so actually, you go to Namibia to find a new drink, but it's made partly out of ingredients that are produced some, some somewhere else far away. Um, I, it's, I it's love kind it. Of, it was kind of funny. And what this also tells me is that everything is actually connected. Right? We, are, we are just one uh, exactly. global economy. Uh, I was going to say that. 
it, connected it's to all, it's all available today, and you never know the source. By the way, I found very interesting, there's a site, a website called SA Promo, and if you read it the other way, it's S-A-P-R-O-M-O.com, and they have a recipe of rock shandy, and for our listeners, it's rock, R-O-C-K, shandy, S-H-A-N-D-Y, and they have a wonderful, glorious picture of what the drink looks like. Half a bottle of lemonade, half a bottle of soda water, Angostura bitters, few drops according to taste, ice cubes, and lemon slices and they say plenty of reasons to stay well hydrated in the summer dehydrate even slightly in your mood and your energy levels will dip making it hard to focus on anything to ward off the side effects of a dry spell the trick is to stay at optimal levels so try making rock shandy what do you think does that sound good sounds very very right very right i'm glad thank you and nils nils hertzberg we'd love to know where you are and what's your favorite drink in the whole wide world well, I'm not in Waldorf. I'm actually uh, with, sitting in the offices of one of our um, pristine partners here in southern Germany, um, where we were actually discussing collaborations. And you know, the point being that um, you know, ecosystems and platforms live by the number of um, folks that are on the on the platform. In terms of a favorite drink, well, in front of me at the moment, I have an espresso, but I'm actually looking forward more to um, you know, this evening when I'm driving home. And I'll be sitting at home um, with my, my wife, with my family. I'm a cigar um, smoker, and uh, to a good cigar, you actually drink a very good rum. And the one that I drink is a Ron Sacapa from Guatemala. And, um, uh, Bonnie, if you start Googling that one, um, you will see that it is a very, very specialized rum, very particular rum. Um, you know, that is grown at uh, 2,300 meters above um, sea level and so it's ah. a very, very particular, very excellent rum. I would recommend it, but it is not. It does not taste anything like what you expect. So it comes highly recommended. And can you spell the name of the rum for me, please? I do want to look it up when we go on break. How do yes. you spell it? Rum yes. what? Um, Ron. Uh, it's R O N space Z A C A P A. Zacapa. Okay, Ron Zacapa. Yes, I will look that up and see how fast I can find some. Here we are. Okay, well, it's not a cheap rum. It's containing a blend of rum 6 to 23 years old, wonderfully intricate with honeyed butterscotch, spiced oak, and raisin fruit, showcasing the complexity of Sistema Solera aging process, light mahogany with tones of aging at the rim. Oh, I love it. <coughs> and it says it has slow legs. It sounds like a showgirl. I'm sorry. shouldn't have said that. Thank you very much, Nils. Very interesting. In case, the, in case the three of you are wondering, they don't let me have caffeine on radio show days. It's absolutely forbidden by SAP. So all I'm having is water in a cool, clear mug looking out the window of my home office here in beautiful Durham, North Carolina. We started out in the early 50s this morning temperature-wise, and we're going to be getting up to almost oh, 87 degrees today. So summer is here, and I'm delighted. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. We're talking with three very smart, savvy, and I must say charming gentlemen on our panel today. Our topic is platform business models, friend or foe. We're going to take a 90-second break, and when we come back, I'm going to circle around the panel and ask them how they weigh in on that. Is platform business a friend? Is it a foe? And then we're going to do a deep dive with a couple of topics each of them has provided to me before the show. My special panelists are Bernd Uwe Pagel, Klaus von Regan, and Nils Hertzberg. So don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. I'm scratchy, but I'm here. I'll be right back. Ryan out. 
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future success of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerating ongoing change. Factors as diverse as business disruption catalysts, new platform business models, agile innovation, a thriving ecosystem, and an API economy are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of business. Game-changing business model disruption is presented by SAP. Visit SAP.com. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Game-Changing Business Model Disruption, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to game-changing business model disruption. Yes, indeed. Let's get back to our wonderful panel today. I'm speaking with Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel, Klaus von Regan, and Nils Hertzberg here on Business Model Disruption, talking about platform business models, friend or foe. I haven't asked that question yet to the panel, and before we do a deep dive into parts of the topic, they sent me their notes before the show. Let's go once around the table and answer me friend or foe, and then two sentences on why. Bernd, go ahead. Um, so, sorry? To send this on Go, f- friend or foe? What do you think? Is is our business platform uh, okay. models uh, friend or foe? I think. Um, I mean, look, it can be a friend, yeah, if you if you do it right. I mean, if you if you find that that transformation, if you uh, can build on on your on your assets uh, as an existing business, I think it can can make you um, a, a better and a, and a more successful com- company. But that means you have to really understand these models. You have to understand the assets you have and, uh, and if you can transform them into, into a platform. Um, not all companies might be able to do that. Um, it's also, I think, for plat- if there are platforms out there, can help you. If you use them in, in the right way, it can help you to also grow your business. And uh, in particular, if we think about the new latest technologies, um, it can get, get you access to those technologies in a, in a smart way. It can help you to get access to data in, in, a, in a central way. Uh, it can help you to store your data. Um, so you can really help uh, coping with all these technologies out there. Of course, if you don't be agile, if you don't look into it, if, you, if you're not uh, changing yourself, then it can be, can be your enemy and it can kill you. And that's the disruption we see in many, many uh, businesses. Okay, somebody needs to answer a phone there. Thank you, Barrett. Let's turn to Klaus von Regan. Agree or disagree, friend or foe? What do you think, Klaus? A big friend, first of all, because ah. platforms are 
obviously the future of, of, of business and, and how to do business. Um, and, and everybody wants to be in, in, a, in a type of platform to, uh, business, right? Because it's, it's, a, it's a proposition where you, um, if you have a running platform, all what you need to do is to ensure that the value you, you deliver continues to flow and that the number of participants on your platform is growing. Um, and, and as soon as you reach this, this so-called network effect, uh, that, that, uh, then it's pretty easy. Then you have a, some, somewhat of a self-sustaining system and, and there's always uh, more people who are joining than, than, than leaving your, your platform. Um, the, the, the downside of this, if you only look at platform types of models, it, 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 this, is, this is pretty difficult to achieve, right? I mean, how do you actually uh, start establishing one, right? Because in, in, the, in the beginning, if you just have an idea, uh, you talk to uh, some uh, companies who produce content and you talk to other companies or users who want to consume that content, uh, they may like the idea, but in the absence of a platform, in the absence of having participants who do business on the platform, you cannot sell it because you don't sell a product. You sell actually access to uh, the platform. And, and in the very early days of, of, uh, of uh, you starting your business, you, you cannot sell anything. So you either need to heavily subsidize it to give it away for free for some time, or you may need to have one side of this marketplace already uh, uh, part of your customer group, and then you give them access to the other side of the market. You need to really think about how, you, how do you get started and how long do you want to subsidize this before you can really uh, create so much value that you can actively monetize it. And that's the tricky element and because it can take such a long time uh, and you can easily fail, as I mentioned earlier. So understanding the metrics, how you measure success in the mm -hmm. early days and how you uh, manage uh, value uh, proposition in, in, in these early days. That's the, 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 the one thing you need to focus on, and that makes it uh, a great opportunity, but a big challenge at the same time. Thank you. Niels Herzberg, thoughts? Um, I think the answer is both. Um, it can be a great opportunity if it actually helps you to um, get global scale and reach, if it helps you to get to your customers or to get new customers. Um, on the other hand, it can be a huge threat. I think Bernd already pointed out um, this, um, you, uh, it can disintermediate you. It can actually disconnect you from your customers um, if you are not playing um, um, a platform economy right. And um, then suddenly um, you know, somebody else is taking the value and um, you are just helping uh, that other person to, to actually have the contact. Um, so it is both, Bonnie. Honestly, it's both. Thank you very much. Okay, the good and the bad and the good and the bad together and yes and no. Okay, so we have a disparity of answers. I like that. Let's do a deep dive into some interesting parts of the topic. Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel sent me the following in his notes before the show. Let me read a little bit. And then, Bernd, why don't you give me a two-minute explanation of this, and then we will invite Klaus and Nils to comment. Then I'll pick a topic from Klaus and one from Nils. So let's go around the panel. So 
Barron says, responsibility of the platform owner, quote-unquote owner, for what happens on the platform is crucial for sustainable success. And let me add some details here. Ensuring data privacy. We all know GDPR is rearing its head in just a couple of weeks. Ensuring data privacy, trust, and fairness within the platform community called platform governance and orchestrations of the interests of all stakeholders are key. Barron, can you pull this apart and give us a little breakdown, please? Of course, um, most platforms, if not all platforms, are a service. Yeah, they are a service to to all the the participants in the platform. And yes, as Klaus said, two sided. So you have you might have buyers and sellers, developers and and customers, but at the end, it needs to work for everybody. Yeah, so you have to you have to make provide a good service, and you have to provide business value to all participants. And what they expect from you is not just the technical platform. What they expect from you, and we, we hear this from our partners, we are running a, a platform as a service or so a technology platform as well. What we hear is they want us to ensure fairness, to put rules of engagement in place, to uh, if something happens which is not nice on the platform, they want us as a mediator yeah, to, to, uh, um, to make sure uh, all, the, all the participants work to act together in a, in a smooth and, and profitable way. Um, they want us to put put uh, templates out, um, give them um, ideas how they work with the other participants on the platform. So, and, and that you need to create a trusted environment uh, because mm-hmm. only then uh, the participants will actually open themselves and they will invest into the platform. At the end, they have to invest, and uh, and they only invest if they feel they get a fair return of investment over time. And I think that is key. Yeah. So that orchestration role as a platform provider. The technology is important, but the trust on the platform and that orchestration is maybe even more important. Thank you. Good intro to that part of the topic. Klaus von Riegen, love to get your thoughts on what Baron just said. And reminder, you do not have to agree with everything he said. So go ahead, Klaus. Uh, unfortunately, I do need to agree with Ben's statements. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> to make it a, a somewhat boring discussion. I mean, Not at all. <laughs> the, 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 the trust, I, I mean, I cannot agree more. That, uh, ensuring that participants trust in, your, uh, in, your, in the way you do business, in, in the way you use their assets and, and, and their data is, is, is very crucial because we have all, all seen this recently with Facebook. We have seen this with other companies. I mean, if you... If you um, uh, if you risk uh, that that uh, um, customers um, are not happy with your um, the way you do business, with your terms of use, with uh, the way they 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 they, uh, they, they treat you, um, then uh, you they they might basically run away, and and then the whole notion of uh, of, of the platform business is is uh, disrupted. I, I I've seen it I've I've seen it basically also with my. With my daughters, right? When when uh, they joined Facebook many many years ago, they joined the uh, the, the network because uh, all their friends were there. Mm-hmm. Uh, sooner or later, uh, all the parents joined uh, the, the the social network, That's right. and that made all the kids uh, run away, right? They then all joined all the other platforms like WhatsApp uh, because they didn't feel comfortable to see their parents and to be connected to their parents. So it's also a kind of culture that needs to be. Uh, created in a way that that keeps you um, that keeps you happy and that keeps you comfortable uh, uh, being a, part- a continued participant. 
very great example. I was thinking that as soon as kids found their parents were watching them on Facebook, it's like, no, mom, dad, get off of here. I'll leave. You stay. I know. And that expanded the age range of the participants on Facebook, but kids didn't want to be anywhere near there. Nils, love to get your thoughts on what we started with Berend and or what Klaus contributed. Go ahead, Nils Herzberg. Yes, Bonnie, I think the... um I do agree. Um, we're not going to have a huge fight on this one. Uh, I, I think, though, that there is a, a difference between um, your platforms for, for consumers and um, platforms for enterprise. I think the, the point of, that Bernd is making about um, trust and fairness um, is even more important. Um, for me, uh, you know, it is going to be many platforms are about data custodianship rather than data ownership. Um, mm-hmm. you, I, I think that it is much more um, intricate of what platforms in the enterprise space are required to do and um, you know, how trust can be broken. And um, the, you know, it is a, B2B is a, mostly a platform amongst equals. While um, you're in the consumer space, the consumer himself doesn't have a lot of necessarily power to negotiate anything on a platform. And I think that there is a, a significant difference between what you get on the one side and what you get on the other side. Thank you very much. Okay. I want to move on. I'm looking at Klaus's notes here before the show. And Klaus, I probably should have put this one first in the conversation, but I think we need to cover it. You ask how you get a new platform business going. Like any business model based on a two-sided market, it's really hard to get it going. So why don't we start there, Klaus, on this part of the roundtable, and then we will have uh, everybody else chime in. I'll go from you to Nils and then to Baron and back to you. So Klaus, talk to me. How do you do it? How do you do it? Um, I mean, uh, it's it's very seldom that you start a platform model from, from scratch, right, where you basically invite both sides of the market to, to join your business because, in, again, in the, in the early days, <clears throat> there is no value proposition for either side because they cannot do business with the other side because they're not, not there either. So <clears throat> what you need to do is to, is to think about how to incentivize them, them to join. So either uh, you, you give it away for free for some time uh, and, and you immediately provide a service uh, for them uh, without doing business with the other side, maybe you can provide standalone services, right, so that they can, uh, can, can make use of um, uh, generic services in, of, that you provision in your, in your technology platform. Um, or you already have one side of the market already. So, for example, um, is in, 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 uh, in, um, in a software company, if you have already addressed a market with a certain type of uh, software, or cloud services, uh, then you can tell them, okay, I am also planning to connect you, uh, you, my existing customers, uh, to your trading partners on the other side uh, of the market. And then you can immediately create a value position for the other side. Uh, of course, you then need to decide how do you, uh, how do you ensure that these that the value proposition is understood and that you can actually uh, follow up on this um, in, in an incremental way. So doing this takes time. It is, uh, it is difficult. So what I always preach when we uh, look at new business models, uh, also in, in our uh, customer uh, groups, uh, I always say, well, you need to not test 
product, you need actually need to test the business model and the mm -hmm. way how, how you incubate it. So what's the minimum viable platform, if you want? How, how many developers on the one side, how many users on the other side do you need at a minimum to demonstrate that your platform is not only feasible, but also viable, meaning that, they can, that it can create value and that you can also make money with it. So that's something that needs to be thoroughly planned and tested in the market. And, and that's, um, well, in abstract terms, the way we, we should do it, um, but it's always different depending on the market that you look at. Thank you very much. I have a quick question before I bring in Nils and Baron. Klaus, whose job is it to do this? to say, hey, we need to be a platform business. Hey, we need to rethink our model. Hey, we need to more connect the supply and the demand. Hey, we need to come out really screeching out of the gate again to reinvent our business, and we need to do this. Is this something that takes years? Is this something that comes from the owner of the business, from the C-suite, from new employees coming into a business? Where does this concept start of the, I'll call it the metamorphosis or the transformation of an existing business? Just a quick answer from you. What is your observation? Well, I mean, if you if you wait, if if you are the incumbent, the incumbent in a given industry, and if you wait, mm -hmm. then somebody will will do it at some point in time okay. uh, as a disruptor, as a as a startup, and, and they will just try it out, and they will find investors who, who who fund this this type of idea. So you should always think around the corner, and you should always challenge yourself the way you do business with with others, the way you you create value. And you should think about your own platform models and how you can enable them and create them in your, in your own industry. Thank you. Very thoughtful answer. Let's get Niels Hersberg in on this. Niels, agree or disagree? I actually disagree. Um, oh, good. Um, Finally. As Klaus was speaking, uh -huh. as Klaus was speaking sort of I was um, a mental um, movie was going on. And, okay, uh, one of the big platforms that we all seem to know and to admire and um, many of them, if you look at um, Uber or you take Amazon or Google or Alibaba or somebody, um, I'm not necessarily sure that they were an expansion uh, to an existing business or that any of those guys had uh, control of the one side and um, just mm. expanded from there. I think um, what characterizes some of these um, leading platforms is that um, they had a very disruptive idea. Um, they had nothing else, um, no other business. And um, it was a complete, uh, we're going to make it or break it, um, that actually caused some of the major platforms that we know. It's, uh, you know let's take an Uber, let's take a, um, you know, an Amazon in the beginning, you know, book selling. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not sure that um, you know, they viewed it as an extension. Um, what in consequence this means is that they are probably what Klaus is saying is, uh, to some degree is correct. I'm not completely disagreeing. And um, I think that there is an evolution um, to platforms, um, and that is what he described. And there is um, you know, the revolutionary uh, disruptive elements of platforms where can people come in based on new technologies, new capabilities, and uh, just think radically different about doing business. Thank you very much. Baird, love to get your thoughts. Join us, please. Yeah, yeah I, I think uh, I'm, I'm more with Niels, um, and I would like to, to even sharpen it a bit. I think the, the, key, um, the key success criteria is you have to identify um, a pain point, um, something 
not two people, not three companies, thousands of companies or, or individuals are suffering from, and which could not be solved in the past, and which can be solved eventually with the new technologies. And then applying them to these new to, to, to this pain point where everybody says, yes, this is what I was, was always looking for, now it's there. Then you get rapid adoption. And you need to be laser sharp on what that is. If you, if, you, if you build a platform and you're not laser sharp about what you want to achieve, you might invest in the wrong areas. Yeah, even on, an, on the SAP side, I mean, what is our biggest asset? Yeah, we have a platform where a lot of developers, companies are, are, are investing and building their, their applications. Is it truly the, the superior technology or is it access to the SAP customer base? And based on that, that answer, you need to build your, your platform in the right way and have to, have to really make sure you fulfill the, the, um, the needs from your, from your participants. So I think this is really key. You need to be laser sharp. Thank you very much. You know what? We're just about ready for our predictions round. But, Nils, there's something very, I think, controversial in your notes here that we have to get in before we go to our predictions. So we'll have a little less time for predictions. You say the world needs as few platforms as necessary, not as many as possible. Getting there will require significant investment, platform wars, winners and losers, and consolidation. I'm going to give you one minute to tell us a little more about what this means. Nils? Yes, but it's actually, um, you know, it actually is looking at history. If you see how the telecommunications industry worked and how they consolidated and um, that you and I are actually able to communicate across uh, continents, um, Platforms live off the fact that um, there are there are lots of people contributing, be it buyers and sellers or demand and supply, whatever. Um, and uh, if you split that across too many platforms doing the same thing, the synergies do not come in, the business cases do not work out. And um, then um, you, I think um, you, we've all seen consolidations um, and um, you know, a few coming out at the top and a lot ending up um, um, at the bottom. This is obviously also the challenge, Bonnie, about um, you know, so which platform do I join and which one do I ignore? So you know, the listeners of the show will probably say, yeah, Neil's great. So tell me which one is going to be the winner. That is the point that we don't mm-hmm. know um, and that it's hard to predict. But it is very, very clear that we need as few as necessary um, to really get the benefit from all of this all. But then, you know, the part of the prediction, I mean, you probably want also a prediction. Um, I think that platforms will attract regulators. We're seeing that you know, with the very big ones. We're already seeing it. We've seen it in the past that the regulators come in because platforms can be so um, powerful and um, they they can drive abuse, which comes back to the point that Bert was making. You, you have to um, drive trust, otherwise you're going to get the regulators. Thank you. You started my predictions round for me. Thank you, Nils. I appreciate that. I was going to give you 60 seconds, and you used them very, very well. So now let's circle around to Dr. Bernd Uva Pagel. Bernd, I have 60 seconds for you. What do you predict will be changing significantly, dramatically, or not at all, let's say between now and 2025, any time in the future? Bernd, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't have the glass ball, but uh, uh, f- first, I think I, I also would 
go with Niels here um, that we will see regulation in particular on, uh, on either on monopoly platforms or on platforms which, uh, which are uh, handling uh, um, consumer data. I think this will, will happen sooner or later. It's very hard to predict uh, because regulators usually work a little bit slower. But I would say uh, 2025, we, we, we will have something in place. On the one additional aspect, that would be my prediction. Um, mm-hmm. the, uh, and I go with a number of the World Economic Forum. Um, and, and they predict uh, that by 2027, uh, 10% of the global GDR is, is uh, stored in blockchain which is one of these innovative technologies. Mm-hmm. So if that is true, then 10, 10, uh, 10% of the, of the GDR will be stored on platforms because blockchains will be, it will be one technology on, on platforms. And uh, the other predictions by that, that time, I mean, if these are business to business, business to business to consumer platforms, of course, um, most of the data will not come from human beings. I mean, that this will be transactions, data, um, interaction by systems, by devices, by sensors. So uh, the, in particular, the business platforms will have no UI in the future. A, a lot will happen fully automa- automated. Thank you very much. Klaus von Regan, I saved exactly 60 seconds. Well, you know what? I can give you uh, 90 seconds, Klaus, because they were so concise. Go ahead, Klaus. Predict for me, please. Oh. Uh-huh. Okay, thanks. Oh. Um, so I, <laughs> I, I think, and I, I, I would predict that that the topic uh, will increase its relevance in the future because uh, sooner or later also data monopolies will arise, and 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 the notion of platform models will, will be more important. So I, I, my my prediction is that uh, digital business, or in particular more digital business models on for, around platforms, will be a topic that is regularly taught in business schools because it needs to be done because our future leaders uh, who will run these businesses, they need to understand how to, how to balance the need between monetizing these assets and uh, ensuring that uh, participants understand that and can trust this, this way of doing business. So um, I think there's a lot of education still needed and um, that balances these different needs uh, and that's where I see uh, a role of, of, of business schools in particular. Thank you very much. Great aspect we just brought in there. I appreciate it. I want to thank my three very savvy and charming and um, cooperative and flexible panelists. It's the first time for all three of you on Game Changers Radio with me, and it has been a true pleasure. I have learned a lot, and I know our audience has as well. Quick shout-out to Mark Gial and Torsten Liedek, who work on this show. Uh, we have 35 different Game Changers miniseries, in case you're wondering, and this is one of our newer ones this year, called Game Changing Business Model Disruption. We thought it was so important to bring this information to our global audience that we started a miniseries right on this topic. So thank you to my three panelists, Bernd Uwe Pagel, Klaus von Regan, Nils Hertzberg. It's been a real pleasure. And a shout-out to Ryan Treasure, VP of Operations and everything at World Talk Radio for being my special engineer. Get well wishes to Aaron, our regular engineer. Aaron, I hope you didn't catch the cough from me. I did the best I could not to cough during the show. And I have a call to action as well. And here we go. Fasten your seatbelt. What in the world are you waiting 
looking for. Go out and be a game changer today, just like Dr. Bernd Uwe Pagel, just like Klaus von Regan, and just like Niels Herzberg, and maybe like me. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you next week here on Game Changers Radio. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Business Model Disruption. The best run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham on Thursdays on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game changing week.